Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. Welcome back to the Yikes Podcast, the podcast about all the things that can make us yikes, make us feel overwhelmed, make us think that they're too complicated and we need to run away from them, make us just get a bit too stressed and not do anything, basically. Um, In this podcast, we talk about climate justice, social justice, all the justices, um, oppressive issues, and what we can actually do about all of these things and how we can transform that overwhelmed emotion into action and actually doing something about it all. Yeah, and today we're super excited because we have a special guest on. Um, so Eve Livingston is joining us for this episode. Uh, she's a freelance journalist and writes for kind of like loads of different spaces like The Guardian, Observer UK um, and ID and also has a book uh, called Make Bosses Pay, Why We Need Unions. And about that, um, we're going to talk today kind of just like, yeah, like what are unions? Uh, why do we need them? What have they contributed to our current life and like kind of like you know how can we change them um and form alliances with unions and yeah we're kind of uh diving into a few different directions there and we're super excited to kind of yeah just kind of explore this topic with eve um who's obviously super knowledgeable about this yeah and i think that this is a an important episode because we wanted this season to include um different parts about political education in different ways because we think sometimes understanding of these issues or these different parts of political life are assumed um like it's assumed that we understand what a union is or what it does um especially in the left there's a lot that's like assumed that we should know or that we should be aware of um but unions do have a lot of power we're going to talk about what a union is we're going to break down the terminology but as always we do recommend that if there's anything that you don't understand like please feel free to have a google while you're listening there's absolutely no shame in not getting not understanding everything um, or not understanding certain terminology but we hope you really enjoy this episode because we really enjoyed recording it um, and without further ado enjoy We have some super exciting news. Uh, Pluto Press, a radical political publishing house based in the UK, which I'm sure a lot of you already know, but if you don't, please check them out. They have incredible books. Uh, they are an anti-capitalist, internationalist and politically independent publisher. And uh, we love their books. Um, we have learned a lot from them and also the author that we speak to. Uh, today has published a book with them and so uh, Pluto Press has very kindly uh, offered us a discount code of 50% of all of their books for our listeners and so with the discount code YIKES50 um, you can get loads of amazing books uh, for 50% off and um, yeah so also support Pluto Press they are incredible they do incredible work they also do online seminars and so check out their work um, online as much as you check out their books. Uh, and now back to the episode. Uh, 
we are so excited uh, to have you Eve today as um, our special guest. Um, yeah, we are like super excited. We briefly met at uh, the Edinburgh's Radical Book Fair in 2021, um, organized by Lighthouse in Edinburgh. And it was like, yeah, I don't know. I just really enjoyed the conversation that we already had back then about like your book and your work and just, you know, your knowledge um, about unions and just generally kind of about the workplace and stuff. So yeah, I'm really excited. We get to chat a bit more and have that also like on the podcast. But if you maybe want to introduce yourself first and kind of, yeah, the nature of your work and um, and all of that jazz. Yeah. Hi. Um, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to uh, to chat about all this with you. Um, so yeah, my name's Eve Livingston. I work as a journalist, primarily um, freelance, which means I write for lots of different uh, publications. Um, and my work focuses on, um, I guess, what you'd call social affairs and particularly inequalities. So I'm really interested in kind of any sort of um, inequality, whatever that looks like. Um, and a lot of the, the work uh, recently has focused on work because I think a lot of inequality is happening in workplaces um, around the UK and around the world. So um, I've kind of naturally ended up having a bit of a specialism in um, work, workplace inequality and uh, trade unions and, and union organising as a result of that. And, and last year, um, as you briefly mentioned there, I, I published a book with Pluto Press called Make Bosses Pay, which is um, sort of all about unions, why they matter and, and what they could be um, if a new generation of kind of young workers got involved and, and changed them from the inside. Um, so I'm sure we'll chat a bit more about that. But um, that's what I've been up to recently. Yeah, super cool. Um, and yeah, also means that we can point our like our listeners and stuff to more of your work um, at the end. But um, yeah, like I guess just like starting like right in your kind of like in this topic. Um, can you like define maybe for people who don't know what unions are and just kind of like, yeah, I guess introduce people a bit to the topic if we've never heard about it or actually I feel like a lot of us maybe don't even know what we what we now have uh is you know a lot about like because of unions and stuff like a lot of the achievements that we take for granted so um yeah can you just like I guess explain that a little bit for us yeah so actually it's an interesting question because I suppose it kind of sounds on one level like there should be just a sort of dictionary definition answer of what a union is um which I guess would be you know that, that unions are sort of entities that are recognized in law as being the collective voice of of workers in a workplace um so you know they are, are something that you can join as a worker um who will be able to kind of negotiate um with your employer on your behalf and on behalf of the workers collectively so a sort of collective voice um, but it's also an interesting question because one of the things that I talk about in the, the book is that I think we often have this idea, people who have knowledge of unions often have an image in their head of something that's kind of separate from them. So they often think of maybe like a picket line of people on strike or they might think of a union headquarters, so like a big shiny building, or they might think of like a badge with a union's name on it. Um, and actually, the argument that I make in the, the book is that we should think of unions as, as something as simple as people making a commitment to one another to act collectively in their common interests. Um, because I think if we start from, from understanding unions as that, as people who've made that commitment to one another, who care for each other, who are acting together as one, um, then, then we can kind of start to think about how um, exciting that prospect is and how much potential there is in that, you know, without getting tied up in the sort of 
um, I don't know, bureaucracy of, of kind of existing um, unions and how they work in law and, and that kind of thing. Um, so that's that's what I would kind of implore people to think of unions as, is, is this huge, this thing that has huge potential, you know, just simply people kind of working together as one. And in the workplace context, obviously, that usually happens between um, workers in a, a particular um, workplace. Mm, I, I think that's really beautiful, like a really beautiful way to look at it. And I guess it's in the, the name is union people coming together um but when i hear unions i think the first thing i think of which is probably a bit silly is like billy elliott the musical because um that was my first like yeah. exposure to like um the idea of a union and of um people coming together and, and striking that was around um the closures of the coal mines and that happening um, in that right era um but I was wondering, is there like any an example that you could give of like an impact that union organising has had um, on people's work life now? Mm. So there are, are loads of examples. So quite often the ones that the sort of union movement point to are things like um, the weekend, you know, things as fundamental as the fact that we work for five days and have two days off was a union win because, you know, back in the day, people were just working all the time without any kind of right to, to any sort of time off. And so similarly with um, you know, sick pay and things like that, being able to be paid even though you're off sick and not not working. Um, so they're kind of, you know, really big flagship um, things that the unions point to. Um, mm. And the things, that that, you're only... things that people take for granted, I think, that people think just happened. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people think a weekend always existed or sick pay always existed. Um, when actually it was something that was like four and one. I think that's really important for us to remember. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and things like working for, you know, eight hours a day, that was a big union campaign was to have kind of um, eight hours for, for work and eight hours for your home life and eight hours for leisure. That's, you know, in, in your day, that's a, a really big kind of union win. Um, so, so they're sort of big flagship ones from history. Um, but I think recently there's also really sort of relatable examples of union wins. So, um, you know, recently unions have won on things like letting um, hospitality workers, waiters and Pizza Express keep their tips, for instance. So that's something that, you know, loads of us will have experienced if you've worked in a bar or a restaurant is having to pull your tips or not even seeing them if they happen on credit card payments. Um, and, and so things like that are, you know, unions are still kind of um, fighting and, and winning those things that maybe aren't as big sort of headline things as securing the weekend, but they do change people's lives. You know, that makes a huge difference to you if you're a low paid waiter. Um, so there are, you know, examples right up to the present day of, of unions doing great things that are, are helping people a lot. Yeah, I guess that's also like so interesting because I feel like they're already in that. There are so many things that come up of like, the, like these are all like such big achievements right but like not everybody in the workforce has these achievements or like yeah like kind of like benefits of these achievements still considering that so many people are right now like working multiple jobs to even secure you know like basic kind of like their basic living costs and um because kind of I guess like multiple like the the work place has changed so much and is changing so much also now with like home office and everything that like um yeah, it's kind of like so, I guess, interesting to think of like, you know, so many people now benefit of like the the achievements in the past from unions and stuff. But also now, how do we like evolve with the with like how our workplaces evolve and how um, we are kind of like working from home. Therefore, we don't have these like eight hour work days as much anymore. Some people yeah have like multiple jobs. And um, I guess like the gig economy in general is just like becoming increasingly like yeah it's great you can be so flexible with your work but also that means like the bosses right are like so much easier um 
like they are able to like fire you more easily and stuff and so I guess yeah I wonder like how I mean you talk about this in your book how kind of like you show a lot of like the benefits um of unions and stuff and also kind of make this point of like how unions also have to be changing with the workplace that are or with the workforce and workspaces that are changing as well um and I wonder yeah if you want to talk about that a little bit Yeah, sure. So th that's kind of the whole argument of the book, I guess, is um, exactly as you say, that unions are like vital. It's really important that people are joining them. But they also, you know, do have to change and evolve. They were sort of built for like a very different type of work. So, you know, unions were built when it was really just like men going out to work in very manual jobs while their wife stayed at home and did kind of domestic work in the house that was unpaid and unrecognized. So that's a very different context um, than the one we're in now. And even the types of jobs that we do have changed a lot. So, you know, we, there are obviously still people that work in manual jobs and in factories and things. But now there's a lot of people working in jobs like um, care and hospitality that actually just didn't even exist when unions were um, originally formed. So, yeah, I think there's loads that unions should be doing. I think gig economy, as you mentioned, um, kind of being able to organize precarious workers is a really big challenge for unions but it's where the the future is really because that's you know a huge sector of the workforce that's growing and it's also the the workers that are in lots of cases experiencing the very worst end of the deal um because they just have no protections you know and they're they also have no connection with each other if you're a, a delivery driver or a courier for instance you're not getting those kind of water cooler moments in an office of talking to your colleagues to let off steam let alone collectively organize um so that's that is a big challenge for unions um although there are some of them who are out there doing that work um you know there are newer unions the independent worker of Uh, workers of the independent workers of Great Britain um, and United Voices of the World are two examples of quite new young unions who have kind of become established especially to organize precarious workers and um, so that's really exciting that we're, we're seeing them kind of um, you know emerge and evolve um, but certainly yeah I think the traditional union movement needs to recognize that that the the labor market you know the types of jobs that we do the workplaces that we're in have changed a lot um, And, and also the, the context that unions are operating in is a, a big um, part of that too, because, you know, we've had successive governments ever since Margaret Thatcher who've um, done lots of things to make sure that unions are not very powerful. You know, they've removed a lot of power. They've brought in a lot of laws to crack down on what unions can do. Um, so that's a, a big challenge as well that um, kind of undermines union strength, I suppose. Um And that's, you know, something that we have to be mindful of when we're thinking about what we can do. Uh, but, you know, there are still possibilities. There are still unions um, organizing and winning. I've I've read um, some articles um, out about <laughs> um, about the fact that union membership is is much lower in like our generation, for example, than it's been in generations before. Um, I was wondering, like, if you had any thoughts on why that might be um And like, what would you say to someone who currently isn't part of union? Um, like what, how, what would you say to them and what, and why is it so important for them to be part of one? Yeah, it's really interesting that because the statistics, you're right, um, have shown kind of a decline in numbers amongst young people. Um, but actually that is starting to change slightly. I think the, the COVID pandemic, um, a lot of people suddenly saw their work kind of, um, you know, benefits and the whole status of their employment being 
threatened um, by furloughs and, and that kind of thing and lockdowns. So, um, so it's starting to change a little bit, but it's kind of too early to see um, how that will last and, and what that change will ultimately look like. Um, I think the reasons that younger people aren't maybe joining in the same numbers are um, somewhat connected to what I was just talking about. So the fact that a lot of young people are in workplaces like restaurants, like bars, like care work, um, where unions just traditionally haven't had any presence um, and haven't you know, necessarily got any examples of having one in those workplaces. Um, so if you're not going into a workplace that's got established union membership and presence, then you're not necessarily going to seek one out unless something happens to you. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, but there's also really interesting research that um, I came across when I was uh, researching the book, um, where the TUC, who are the Trade Union Congress, the sort of umbrella body of unions in the, the UK, um, they did research with um, young people who weren't in unions, and they found that there was just like a real lack of knowledge. A lot of young people didn't even know what a union was. They hadn't mm. even really heard of the word before, and they couldn't describe it, mm. um, which you know makes a lot of sense in the mm. context of, as I said, unions having been sort of weakened and threatened over the years. Mm. Um, and then one that you know I think is really important and really sad <laughs> is that um, young people that they spoke to just had such a low expectation of work. So. They just felt like work is rubbish. They just mm. felt like that's what work is. Your boss is always going to be horrible to you. Mm. You're always going to be in competition with your colleagues. You're always going to be like tired and working extra time for no pay. And that's just what it's like, mm. you know. So why why would we challenge it when that's that's just what it's um, what it's always going to be like? So, you know, having that really low starting expectation of the workplace um, is a barrier, I think, to people. You know, if they don't mm. see that there's anything better there's no better possibility then they're not going to try and organize for it so they're just a few of the reasons there's lots of other reasons in the research um but do you think that do you yeah. think that media like contributes to that i think of like films i don't know this just came to my head of like that film horrible bosses and like how so many so often but even in like tv shows is this normal trope of like a boss being the terrible boss and um the workers all being underpaid and exploited as this normalized like idea in so many different especially like i think of even like coming of age films and someone has like a job in a cafe or something or in a job in a coffee shop like the whole thing is that they're not being paid very well and they're treated like shit <laughs> and it's like almost so normalized around us that like yeah work is gonna be bad what do you think about that but also mm. i I feel like also like completely the opposite, right? Like this like work have family and like your boss mm. is like your best friend and like you have to give your entire life to this because we're a family and like, and I guess I feel like this also feeds, but like from the opposite end kind of like to this like, well, you know, you can't complain because like mm. you wouldn't, you wouldn't kind of just leave your family, right? Like you, like you're tied to them about this like emotional bond or like having to always like, go out for drinks with everyone like always having this like pressure this social pressure of like well you know you're not just like here to work you're here to like be do life together and I feel like that's also maybe like yeah I don't know yeah what do you think Eve like yeah, yeah. well actually I, I agree with both of you so I, I think that the issue with those sort of media representations um it isn't that they're wrong like I think people will go into workplaces and encounter bad bosses and be exploited for the most part you know not everyone and not all the time but certainly it's quite a common feature of like work under capitalism that's why unions are important right is because we are going to go into workplaces and we are going to have those horrible bosses treating us like shit 
um, you know, that that is what's going to happen. But I think what my argument would be is that people can expect better. You know, they can, they should be able to, they, they should think that they have the power to make things better, um, which I think is the problem is that people don't feel they have the power to make things any better than that. Um, and I think what you're talking about, Joe, in terms of this sort of, you know, we're all family here and, and things like workplace perks that maybe cover up like really bad sort of um, office culture or treatment of workers, um, they, they exist as a smokescreen to that sort of exploitation and to those horrible bosses. So quite often the two things go hand in hand where you'll have a workplace where the culture is that everyone stays really, really late for no extra pay. Everyone gets there like in the morning, you know, trying to beat each other into the office office um to be there first but you know there's free breakfast and there's a yoga class at lunchtime so you know how could it possibly be an exploitative workplace um but those things are two different things you know perks are not the same as workers rights um and certainly when they're there to kind of guilt people into working more or working harder then that's a really sort of um like dangerous route to go down I think so um, so yeah, I think you know the for me the the issue is that work under capitalism is always going to be unfair, and mm. that's very often going to result in bosses being quite bad or exploitative, um, and then they might use these tactics that you've pointed to to try and try and hide that. Um, mm. But the bottom line is that you know there is the ability for people to change that if they're prepared to work collectively and, and kind of put the the work in to challenge those conditions, um, then it can be changed. Hi everyone, um, we're going to talk to you a bit about Patreon, which is how this podcast is financially supported. Yeah, so we are a community funded project um, and basically Patreon is a website where um, people can support creators that produce content like this podcast, um, which is freely accessible, but if you do want to support this project um, because you've learned something from it or yeah, just because you kind of like... I guess want to uh, invest in it and that we can pay our guests, we can pay for artwork and music and all of these things, um, then yeah, you can use Patreon where basically we have an account um, and the tiers, there's different tiers and you can start from three pounds a month. And yeah, we produce uh, extra content on there uh, in the weeks that we don't release an episode. And in the weeks that we do upload something, you get the content earlier, four days earlier and without ads and any breaks. So you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Yikes podcast. There's lots of other stuff on there. Um, you get an early episode. You get to support this work because we don't do many or if not any ads normally um, in other ways. So the way this work is able to happen is because of Patreon. Um, so your support genuinely means the world. To all our patrons who have already supported us so far in the past or currently, thank you so much because this podcast wouldn't genuinely be possible without you guys um and we're really really grateful for all of your support so if you can please do head over to patreon.com slash the podcast and support us on patreon i think that's the that's the like point there isn't it is that I think it's in the representation where yeah there isn't seemed there's not really acknowledgement that we do have power um and I think the stories we tell like have a huge impact on like how we live our lives um 
And I think I, that's why I always end up like thinking about how, if I'm trying to work out why I think away about something, I'm like, oh, how have I, I've been presented this in the media? Cause I think that has a, a, a huge impact. Um, and in like a better presentation, um, there's a show called, um, Hentified on Netflix. And if anyone's watched it, it's really good. Um, it's about gentrification in like LA. It's about like a Mexican community. And there's one storyline in it, which I'm not going to give away too much, but um, I'm making out like I watch just so much TV because I'm just, <laughs> just referencing like so different media things. But this is really specific because there's a, there's a, there's a storyline in it about one of the like mums and she works in a garment factory in LA and it's like quite renowned that a lot of garment factories in LA are really exploitative and um there's a huge amount of harm on the workers there and there's there's this like kind of ongoing storyline in one of the series of her like being so resistant to joining a union because she felt like that's not the kind of thing that she would do or that it's not for her as like a woman especially a woman of color to do that kind of thing and then like her colleague um something happens and her colleague gets fired um just because she refused to work through her lunch break or something like that and then after that she realizes that she needs to like protect herself um and she goes to a union meeting and like learns there and it was really beautiful and they they like unite together and they they managed to like make a better work environment and i thought that that's a really powerful presentation mm. of like the and and those kind of like that kind of representation in media will have a ripple effect to other people watching that even and being like oh wow i didn't realize that like that could cause that impact, even though obviously it's not real. But, yeah, you know. <laughs> have, have you seen Have you seen the film Pride? Yes, yes, yeah. Because so oh I always gosh. think that's that's like an amazing, um, like positive depiction of what unions can be, and and it's like particularly positive because it's about um, you know a marginalized community, LGBT people, um, kind of joining forces with this traditional working class in Wales. Um, so there's like loads of things in there. It ticks all the boxes for me of what I'm talking about in the book of like an inclusive union movement that's like active on issues beyond the workplace and all of this stuff. Um, but I really recommend people watch that if they want to kind of see the power that unions can have. Um, and I like dare anyone not to be crying at the end of it because it's like so moving it's such a moving film it's so good and I think it also shows yeah the importance of like all of our different groups that are fighting for justice working together and like how much stronger we are yeah. when we like work on those intersections when we come together um it's yeah it's so so beautiful and it makes me also think like a question for you is like what do you think the role of unions in the climate movement is and in achieving climate justice like where do you see unions sitting in that space because obviously they're so important when we talk about just transition like talking to unions and with unions is one of them so are the most important things and for people listening a just transition is basically a transition away from fossil fuels to renewables to like a cleaner greener energy um infrastructure that centers also, workers rights as well yeah but also goes beyond like fossil fuels like it's just a general like when we think of you know dismantling capitalism there will be jobs that will have to become obsolete and there will other jobs become that will become more um because they become more labor intensive and more yeah just different uh yeah workers will have to go into different places and the workforce will change um so yeah yeah so for me the, the and i think you know based on what you've just said as well the the climate crisis is a crisis of capitalism right like the cause of it is this sort of carbon economy that is you know in pursuit of profit at the expense of all people and, and planet right um and so you know workers um have a really key kind of um place in that dynamic because they are the ones producing 
um, profits for bosses, right? That's what work essentially is under capitalism, is that your boss is buying your labour to produce their, their profit. So I think that people as, you know, as people and as citizens and as um, kind of uh, members of different groups um, can be really powerful in the, the climate crisis and in kind of um, acting for climate justice. But I think people as workers are a really key kind of component, activating people as workers in that role in particular um, in pursuit of climate justice is, is going to be super important because of that particular role that we play when we're at work um, of kind of almost like brokers of capitalism actually um because workers are the ones who are like keeping it running along you know i'm not saying that like capitalism is the fault of workers um but i'm saying like that's the role that we we play in that system is to like keep it keep it all moving along smoothly so when you activate people as as workers in that role in particular then um i think they can be really really powerful in in those conversations um and then i also think that on a kind of more like just basic resource level um, unions have a, a big role to play in like forming alliances with the climate movement. So like we've seen union branches go out, um, you know, on marches in support of climate strikers, for instance. And we've seen um, unions pass motions in support of um, climate strikes and um, in support of just transition and all of those things. And that's really powerful because because of that strength in numbers thing, which is the whole basis of, of union power, you know, is that they act as a collective voice for people speaking as one. So if that voice can be put behind climate justice, then that's that's really important. So I think I'd like to see unions um, do that, you know, kind of now and into the future is form really strong alliances with the, the climate um, justice movement, as well as kind of acting in their own right as workers' voice in pursuit of that, that justice. So there's kind of two different bits of it for me, I think. Yeah, I really, really love that. And I think... I mean, I was recently kind of reading um, poems by this um, like mining worker from Italy, like I think from like the 70s or something. And like this worker was writing a lot of like how, um, you know, he's very aware of that his job as a miner um, is killing the environment as much as it is like his community. But, you know, because of the like industrial revolution and like these stories in our kind of like uh, still in our societies around progress and, you know, like you have to have economic growth to prosper mm. and be a flourishing society. He he thought he was like celebrated whilst being very aware of like, you know, the activities he is doing to just provide for his livelihood and his family, um, you know, were super destructive and But at the same time, actually, you know, classism or just kind of like gender, um, not gender, workers' rights being super kind of neglected a lot of times, I think, in the climate movement yeah. Um, of kind of something that's like, oh, you know, um, I mean, with the just transition, it's coming more now. But I think like for a long time, like I never heard something about workers' rights beyond, especially beyond the fossil fuel industry in the climate movement. Um, as something as though, you know, workers want to destroy the environment yeah, or, or yeah. something. Yeah, like it's felt kind of like super separate. And I 
like like you were saying, like when I was in Glasgow for the COP, seeing, you know, workers um, and unions kind of come together also with different age groups, with people maybe, you know, like growing up, I never actually knew about unions, which is super sad to think now, but like also having these like different ages and maybe groups that often don't mix, sadly, mm. come together suddenly and like form these alliances is super beautiful. And I, I mean, you'd also talk about this in the book of kind of like these community unions, right? Like, these types of alliances and um i wonder if you want to like expand a little bit more about like you know what that would look like and maybe an example um that yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i suppose for me the part of what as you say part of what i kind of call for in the book is this like unions um, within and beyond the workplace so obviously we think of unions because they're in their most established form in workplaces and trade unions but you know my argument is if that idea can work in a workplace, the idea of people coming together, making that commitment, speaking as one, um, can change things in a workplace, then, you know, obviously that idea can work um, more widely too. And um, alongside that is also the idea that people aren't just workers. You don't go to work and adopt like a different identity where you're just a worker. You're like still you in the workplace, right? You're still mm -hmm. a, maybe a woman, a person of colour, a person who lives in a community, a person who um, has rising energy bills. Um, you know, you're still all of those things while you're at work. So um, siphoning off those different like identities into different boxes, I think, um, like isn't necessarily always helpful. So, um, yeah, so in the book, I call for kind of unions to be active, like in the community and on these different issues. Um, because I think that's really powerful when you are like mobilizing people in all those different forms to be kind of making those connections of like, like, like the rising energy thing, you know, at the moment we're facing this huge cost of living crisis. Um, and that's related to work and to workers' rights because our wages aren't going to go up in line with that. Um, so you can be talking to people in your community who aren't in your workplace and they're still facing the same issue as you in, in that regard. So, yeah, so I would like to see unions being more active um, kind of on those issues and in those conversations. Um, there are examples of um, unions that are kind of community first rather than workplace. So ACORN is an example of a community union um, who, you know, they're active in different local communities on things like um, housing and benefits system and childcare provision and things like that. But they operate in exactly the same way as a sort of trade union, as we've discussed, where it's people becoming a member of that organisation um, and making that commitment to each other to act collectively and, and speak as one voice. Um, and they've won um, on, on those issues. You know, they've kind of won on things like um, benefits provision and, um, yeah, like stopping nurseries being shut down and things like that. So, um, so that can work, having unions that exist in the community and not the workplace. But, you know, also there's the potential, as we kind of talked about just there, for unions to have greater sort of alliances and links with one another. So for tenants unions to be really related to um, workers unions, you know, pointing people um, to one another and kind of sharing resources and sharing um, learning and that kind of thing. So there are different ways to do it. You know, you can you can start a whole new thing that's built on a union model, um, but you can also, I think, form kind of relationships and be active on campaigns that are beyond just your your kind of individual workplace issues as well. Yeah, yeah, I really love Acon. I became a member last year. I think even maybe after I read your book or something. Um, oh, great. Um, because also they operate, you know, in many different countries, which mm. is great. Um, 
And obviously at the moment, as we are recording this, the UCU is still striking. So the more like academic um, union or union for yeah people at academia mm-hmm. in academia in the UK. Um, and I, I also, I guess like what you said earlier of kind of like people collectively organizing also before something bad happens. It's kind of like because some people, you know, like join the union when something bad happened, mm. which obviously is still great. But I think also this like, well, I have the means right now to like, uh, you know, help organizing or join my union, maybe also for people who don't know or like don't have the means to do that or the time, whatever it is. Um, so I can actually prevent either like, yeah, kind of like our collective crisis at work, which I think is such a beautiful thought to mm. think about like unions and like such an uplifting kind of like, yeah, almost like easy way to organize between each other. Um, and I kind of think that with um, tenants unions and like renters unions, I think that's been something that I've like found to be really like exciting um like it's the only union I've actually been a part of thus far was mm. my local renters union um and that was joining that before something bad happened but you, I think so often like tenants especially like we are almost like stepping on like going on a tightrope like oh everything could go to shit at any point but we have yeah. no power in what we can do about it and then um, it was actually one of my friends was working for this renters union and harassed me <laughs> so much until <laughs> I joined. But I w- once I joined, I was like, this is great because I was hearing all these stories of other people. Whilst nothing happened to us, all these other people in our, in our community, like where I lived, um, were being able to like be protected from their landlords trying to really fuck everyone over. Um, and it was amazing to see the power that was like possible when people had all come together, not just because some people were in crisis, but because there's someone in our community that needed help. And so everyone could get behind that. And I think that is a really beautiful thing as well. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think that idea of like people who are willing to join up and do the work as well, because you're right, like what the, the kind of um, contact point, I guess, for a lot of people to their union is when something goes wrong and they kind of look around and they're like where can I turn because you know my boss is being horrible to me or I'm being bullied or I'm not having my proper workers rights um and and they find that the union maybe exists and they they join it to get help in that situation um and that's great you know that's what unions are there for is to step in sometimes in those situations um, and support you and kind of negotiate on your behalf that's one very small part of what trade unions do and actually, like what what I think is really important is that there are also these people who are willing to to join up regardless and to get involved and get active. Um, that's one of the things that I like talk about in the book as well because I think there can sometimes be this feeling that unions just exist to provide a service for us. So we join up and we like pay our membership fee every month, and then we just like expect to get stuff in return for that um, because we're paying our dues, right? Um, and actually, uh, you do get things in return for that. You know, you get support when things happen to you and you get access to this space and these resources and all of that stuff. Um, but it does also take people who are willing to do the work and do the organizing and, and join up and not expect so much immediately in return, but expect that they're going to have to put in a bit of time and energy into like talking to other people at their workplace to get them to join or or to organizing within the union to make the union more progressive or to make them take positions on things that you care about um you know so it's not it's not always going to just be handed to us when we join a union you know you're not you're buying access into a movement but you're not kind of just paying for something that um you know comes through your door every month in the way that you do with a magazine subscription you're paying for something dynamic 
and to be part of a movement that's going to require you to um to to do a bit of that work and put a bit of time in um and that's that's really important for the future of the movement and for it to be kind of strong and powerful is that there are people who are willing to to do that yeah for sure and i think that that's why i really like hopefully this episode will encourage more people especially younger people who maybe haven't even thought about it before um to join union and get involved and get involved in the organizing that happens there um whatever space you're in like I mean, even if your boss seems super nice and like even if you work in the NGO sector, like where there's a lack of actually unionizing, I think sometimes because people are like, oh, well, our bosses are really lovely. Um, I've had friends who've been organizing in unions in the NGO sector and have achieved like pay rises that they, they thought weren't possible and loads of incredible stuff like um, and that's because they organize to get people to join in their workplace and manage to make that happen. And that takes a lot of a lot of work and people willing to do that. Um, but it's important because that's what keeps all of us safe is like the work, this kind of work that happens. It doesn't just happen passively. So a question that I have is basically as like a writer, as as much as I have previously resisted the term and then realised that a lot of this is probably internalised misogyny and influencer as well. Um, I've wondered, like, like how a union could, like, protect me as, like, a, a worker in a space where I don't have a very clear boss a lot of the time and um, where it's a bit less conventional. Um, and I know that other people that do similar work, like freelance writing or whatever it is, probably think the same and there's been I've seen that there's a creators union that's trying to be started up um recently which is really exciting um but as you are a writer and a journalist um like how have how have you found your relationship with union and how has that like impacted your work yeah it's a really good question and I'm in a similar position because I'm also freelance so I don't have one boss I work for lots of different um editors um, and I don't really have like a boss relationship with them. You know, if you're a freelance writer, it'll be an editor who um, commissions you for like one story and they'll kind of edit it and they'll sort your invoice and stuff. But it's not, there isn't really much of a relationship beyond that unless it's someone that you work with again and again and again. Um, but, you know, unions, um, I think, can be really active on freelancer rights. If I think of my own perspective as a freelance journalist, um, there are lots of things about the way that I work that I find really unfair. So quite often if I write an article, I won't get paid until the article's published. So if that's for a magazine, for instance, a print magazine, sometimes that's like three, four five months down the line. Um, or sometimes they might decide not to publish it at all because something different comes along or the news changes or something goes out of date. Um, and then I've just written a whole article that I never get paid for. So I think that that, for instance, is like a, a really big issue that um, unions could be really active on, you know, payment on publication. Um, and, and that could work because unions are recognised in a lot of the big kind of um, newspapers and TV channels and stuff. So they could incorporate that into the conversations that they're having with bosses at those papers and those channels as saying, um, you know, one of the things that we're demanding is that you treat your freelancers in a certain way. You pay their invoices on time and you pay them before publication and you pay them regardless of if the work gets used or not. Um, so that's just one kind of example of where I think it could work. Um, I think some of the stuff that's happening with the creators union around influencers is really exciting as well. Um, 
because you know there are obvious um kind of issues there in terms of making sure that you're being paid fairly for the work that you do um it's really hard I think as an influencer when that's such a new sort of job there isn't a kind of framework for how much you should be charging for certain things you don't necessarily know like set how much there's nothing is really set no one everyone's too scared to talk to each other about how much everyone's being paid exactly some people get paid nothing and some people get paid loads it i think there's a lot of problems super competitive aren't even getting paid at all yeah that's the thing yeah just working for free yeah yeah you're and, and you're like competitors rather than allies because if you get a job then it means that someone else isn't getting that job so there's loads of kind of issues there I think um around what are actually like bread and butter work issues you know of, of payment and contracts and things like that um where unions could be active and then I think there's also this whole kind of murky field of like ethics of influencing and and kind of your work being on social media um and the responsibility that you have to your audience where I think um unions can also be active in that as well you know in setting a standard of kind of ethics and uh, the sort of work that um like influencers should be doing and taking on and you know things like a few years ago we were all having conversations about um like photoshop and, and whether that was bad for young people's body image to just be seeing like really filtered photoshopped image um all the time and unions for instance could be there like having a um charter or a pledge that says like influencers who are signed up to our union like aren't gonna use those um kinds of programs to edit their images you know that's just another example of the types of things where it goes beyond just the kind of workers rights of the influencer into the the sort of influence that they are having on their audience um so the union's having like a potentially a really good kind of impact on a really wider um a really wide group of people um in those kinds of examples but it's so new that there isn't that much activity happening there but i definitely think there's the potential for it to be really exciting um yeah i think you know there's no reason why unions can't work in that context it's just um new and it needs someone to kind of uh lead the charge michaela <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> i mean actually there are already i think it's nicole okran and yeah. Ella slade edmondson they've started this crazy union i'm happy to maybe i'll also <laughs> get in touch with them chat with them about it because yeah i think this is one thing that at least privately like i know a lot of our pals in like a not organized way like we have group chats where we talk about how much we're getting paid like or like we like will like chat to each other or even just message a power to be like oh hey have you heard about this campaign how much would you normally charge this or like i'll see someone and i'm like oh i'm gonna reach out to them and say like oh just making sure you've been Mm, paid to mm -hmm. do this because this is all especially like people who are just starting out in this kind of stuff yeah and and, and so the other thing that i should have said is also that unions have a particular status so like if you're a member of a union you're like protected you can't be discriminated against for being a member of a union because they're recognized like in the law as being the voice of workers so for instance around freelance journalism there actually are a lot of campaigns and things that pop up um, like there was lots of campaigns in the COVID pandemic to make freelance writers eligible for the self-employed support grants because a lot of people weren't able to access them through like the criteria that existed. Um, and so there were campaigns and things that popped up around those. But I wish that they'd been union led or union backed campaigns rather than just people individually campaigning because you're making yourself quite exposed by doing that. You could be Um, just dropped by an editor who could think that you're like more hassle than you're worth because you're like just shouting about something you know 
Um, whereas if you're if the campaign is like led and backed by a union, then it has this kind of protected status as being something that's recognised in the law as a legitimate sort of campaign that someone can't be discriminated against for taking part in. Um, so I think that's that's really important as well. It's that people are like getting active on these issues, but it would be really good if unions were like they're kind of taking them on as well because of that sort of protection that, that they provide. Oh, that's super, super interesting. I feel like I hadn't really kind of yeah thought about that aspect of like you know also being anonymous in um I mean I did think about I guess like you know campaigns shouldn't be just led with by individuals anyways sometimes like it's nice to have this collective I mean usually makes it better anyways but yeah I guess like uh protecting your kind of yeah just identity in like you know even by name or in the workplace um and yeah like other people maybe like not wanting to like hire you anymore after when you've you know, won a certain campaign or something is something like super real, obviously. So yeah, that's like such a good point. So many, I, yeah, like there's so much to think about. There's so uh, under that. And um, I think I'll be thinking about it more. I'm actually going to see where the creators union is with their like planning. Cause I think that could be something that could have a huge impact. And I didn't even think about what you were saying about as well. And like making it a better place for what people are also doing as work. Cause that's something that like there's just a huge lack of regulation I think of influencer stuff as well which I mean it's, it's starting to become more and more but um we definitely need more ethics in that space in a lot of um ways as well um so yeah that's that's super interesting thank you yeah so much for addressing that because that's been my biggest question I think in my brain around myself at least and unions and wondering like what yeah what does it do not that not that everything has to be something for me but like is it is it that like <laughs> with you about me with me you know yeah 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 it's because i'm yeah, happy to organize like... with your union yes exactly <laughs> so yeah yeah any like call to actions for people like obviously read eve's brilliant book make bosses pay um but uh, as well as that yeah do, do that first do that first <laughs> um uh, and then and then what next <laughs> um yeah i mean you know the obvious call to action for me to leave you with would be to join your union um that's a little bit more complicated than it sounds because it requires a little bit of research into you know which union is best for you um not to just plug the book again but at the back of the book there's actually a resources list which um kind of starts to point you towards um, which union might represent you in the sector that you're working in, but it's not exhaustive. So I do encourage people to do a bit of kind of Googling and reading around of which one is best for you. Um, but yeah, you know, I would say join your union as a kind of starting point um, and then go along, get involved. So many of us join our unions. I was guilty of this when I first joined a union of just signing up and then um, like taking it no further than that. But I would really encourage people to like go along to the meeting, um, you know, take part in the um, activity that's coming up. Just be part of that union and see how it feels and see what's what where you could be helpful and see what's needed. See what you don't like about it, what you think could change. Because once you're a member, that's your role too, is to have a voice in how things could look different and be better. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, join up, do your research, get active. Um, and then also, you know, speak to other people your age and other workers in your workplace and get them to join too. Because the, the model only works, um, you know, if there's 
more than one person as the whole point of a union is that it's strength in numbers um so you know take on that role of recruiting other people and getting them to join too to to build that power that's um you know necessary to make any kind of change whether it's within the union or within the workplace or or beyond i suppose i really love that because i recently went to this union meeting and like i kid you not it was like the average age was like 70 yeah. and I was like the only woman there and everybody like spoke in the like local Galician language like Galego mm. um and I was just sitting there and I was just like this is not my meeting like I wish I could like join you but like I feel so out of place and like you know I'm quite close actually to their proximity and I was just like no way and um so I yeah I think just like getting like also our pals and everyone to like join and just like Yeah, just kind of like, I, I guess also like disrupt this image that maybe we still have about like the union being this, yeah, like you talk about it as well, kind of this like white shouty, like middle-aged man or something that, um you know, I mean, yeah, sometimes that's that's what it is and sometimes it's not. And like, we shouldn't have like just like this one image as in our heads as like about unions. But, um and I guess also, yeah, just like wanting, I think this was really nice what um, we like did, well, what, what people did in Glasgow, of just like reaching out to the unions that were striking and being like, hey, we're going to like come to your picket line and like, you know, we're going to like form bonds. Like, how can we support you? And like, and then they supported the climate strike or something. And it was just like, yeah, forming these alliances also is just so nice and like brings different energies together. And so, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's really a nice course of action. I think loads to do there. <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily going to be easy, but I think, uh, no. <laughs> I think it's going to be worth it. Thank you so much um, for coming on the podcast, Eve. We've loved this conversation. And yeah. everyone, make sure that you go and buy Eve's brilliant book, Make Bosses Pay, Why We Need yeah. Unions. Um, with by And check out her books. other readings. Yes. And, yeah. There's one with a great what's, title what's about read? girl bosses, and I can't remember it now. So if you could remember, <laughs> oh girl union yes yeah. the, the girl, girl boss union. is over it's time for the girl union yes <laughs> <laughs> i love it really enjoyed that episode um i definitely learned a lot yes. from it um for sure because i don't think that i've known enough about unions um i think up until like a few years ago the extent mm. of my understanding of unions was the musical billy elliott um as i mentioned there um if anyone knows me you know that i love musicals so that's quite unsurprising um but also one thing to add that eve actually chatted to us a bit about after the recording ended was the fact that unions can actually give like legal support mm -hmm. as well. And that's like a huge benefit of unions as well is that um, that like can help so much. Um, so we thought we'd just add that in. Um, and then something else that I also re remembered after we finished recording was that my first union was actually the medical defense union because you have to join that um, when you become a doctor. Mm -hmm. But also I'd recommend a tenants union like Living Rent, which was my tenants union in Edinburgh. Yes. Um, They're great. 
Um, well, as we already kind of like plugged multiple times in the recording, uh, we definitely re definitely recommend to check out Eve's book. Um, it's by published with Pluto Press, and yeah, it's called Make Bosses Pay. Um, and you can also find Eve on social media on Instagram. It's Eve double underscore Rebecca, and on Twitter Eve underscore Rebecca. Um, and as we mentioned already before, she writes with loads of different kind of platforms. So, you know, when you give a wee Google, you can find some of her writing. Definitely recommend the one uh, that we mentioned around. Um, it's, yeah, like the time of uh, girl bosses is over. It's time for girl unions, uh, which is such a great <laughs> article. Um, and yeah. And I have been Michaela Loach at Michaela Loach on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok now, Damn. although I don't really use it. <laughs> you have joined the cult. This, edit this, this episode has been edited by the brilliant Finley Mowit. Um, you can find him on Instagram as well. And make sure that you're following the Yikes podcast on Instagram at the Yikes pod. And I've been Joe Becker and you can find me at, uh, on Instagram at Streets and Peace and uh, Twitter, Josephine Becker. And please rate uh, this podcast. Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, but also now on Spotify. And yeah, just give some reviews. It does really help the podcast to kind of spread further. And obviously that's what we want to do, like reach as many people as possible, get them to join their unions and just generally, uh, yeah, just kind of like form alliances and coalitions in the fight for climate justice. And yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you in two weeks for another one. Bye.